Things just take way too much of my energy. I look up and the whole world's been. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the November 22nd ASF Weekly Science Podcast. There will be no podcast next week after Thanksgiving weekend. I'm going to spend the holiday weekend starting to work on the year end summary. So stay tuned for that. Topics that I discuss on this podcast are probably fair game for highlights of 2021. So many of the discoveries won't surprise you. Now to this week's podcast COVID. It's kind of a word we all want to eliminate from our vocabulary along with pandemic, lockdown, restrictions, and masks. I wish we were done with this, trust me, but we're not. There are resurgences in states and countries and unvaccinated people are dying. Also, scientists are really starting to better understand not just the effect of COVID on people on the spectrum, but their family members and caregivers. These people are an important part of the autism community, and while the initial focus was on those who had a diagnosis, just as important is understanding what's going on in the autism community as a whole. This month, there have been several publications looking at this in different ways, different countries, and using different approaches. So this podcast is dedicated to the pandemic on parents. So let's start with a scoping review of articles published between December 2019, which was pre-pandemic, and February 2021, which was mid-pandemic. Researchers in Canada categorized them and created thematic analyses of 23 published articles. They looked for articles about the family, the patient, the caregiver, and mental health and mental well-being examined in the context of COVID. Some were commentaries, some were qualitative, and some were quantitative. Out of the 23, 11 included data collection in the early stages of the pandemic, so about half. So 11 studies looked at mental health needs of parents of autistic kids during the pandemic. That is so sad. 11 publications? I'm sorry, this is a major issue and it needs better attention. But out of those 11, what were the issues? Well, you guys listening probably know this already. Number one. School closures and the need for respite when kids were home 24-7. Two, the increase in challenging behaviors and parental stressors. These stressors to parents may be related to the increase in challenging behaviors or changes in their own routines in addition to their child's changes in routines. The struggle is real. Number three, there was an increased vulnerability to mental health challenges as it heightened stress, distress, increased helplessness, and also anxiety related to fear of infection, and of course, anxiety related to loss of employment and financial issues. Well, how did parents cope? Sometimes well, sometimes not so well. Self-care was important and accessing online mental health services was essential. Some found this telehealth important and useful and others did not find it helpful at all. I'll talk about more in the next study, which I call Spark It Up. Now, some of these broader issues in the scoping review were more thoroughly analyzed in a study that's near and dear to many of us. Not all of us, but most of us in the United States. It's called SPARK. SPARK stands for Simons Foundation Powering Autism Research Knowledge, and it's the largest collection of families and autistic adults in the U.S. that's collecting information on not just behavioral features, but also genetic collection and information using a mail-in-cheek swab. One of the great things about SPARC is that they're continually involved in many different types of research. 
Researchers can access families who've been enrolled in SPARC, and those families can choose or not choose to participate in a variety of different studies. So they have families engaged in science around everything from environmental factors to pandemic stress. And as you may recall, they were one of the first to show some of the effects of social isolation on services and well-being by conducting their own study with those 50,000 plus people involved. If you're not involved in this study and you want to be, go to sparkforautism.com. So Spark was able to get information from about 6,300 parents and caregivers of kids younger than 18 years of age who also completed enough information previous to the COVID survey that would have allowed enough information about their child to look at child factors in parental stress and well-being. Part of the goal was to identify factors in the kids that may have affected family concerns. Here's a surprise, though. There was a four to one ratio of males to females of children in Spark, and most were white, but there was a good spread of socioeconomic statuses. 64% expressed moderate to severe concern about feeling stressed or overwhelmed by the service disruptions. That's of parents. 56% reported moderate to severe negative impact on ASD-related symptoms in their child. 44% expressed moderate to severe impact on their child's emotional or mental health due to pandemic-related concerns. 80% expressed moderate to extreme concern about the impact of the pandemic on their family or household. 71% expressed moderate or severe impact on their own emotional or mental health during the pandemic. And 50% said that they had had past mental health issues. Younger children faced greater service disruption, and their parents expressed greater concern about these disruptions. Age was also associated with the parents' perception of benefits from online services, such that younger children were minimally benefited from online services compared to older children. This is something that's going to come up over and over again. Parents of children with greater cognitive delays reported greater COVID-related service disruptions, and they had greater concerns about the negative impact on their child's ASD-related behaviors. In addition, the severity of cognitive delays was associated with perceived benefits of online services, again, indicating that parents of children with greater cognitive delays reported lower benefits from online services. So if you were young and cognitively delayed, you were in big trouble. Only a small proportion of families responded to the benefits of online services, and about equal numbers found it highly beneficial or not beneficial. Low-income families expressed potential benefits from online services in the future, suggesting that some subgroups that might have been most negatively impacted in those initial months were hoping that services could actually be provided in an online format. Most importantly, with increasing autism severity, including poor child understanding of COVID-19, worsening cognitive language and functional and motor delays, there was a less of an online benefit perceived. Like I said earlier, parents of younger children also reported fewer benefits of online services than older children. So another study that came out after the scoping review was published was a study using the ELENA cohort in France, 
ALENA stands for Multicentric Longitudinal Study of Children with ASD. It's a longitudinal study in France. So they were able to collect information from families using something called the HADS, the Hospital Anxiety and Depression Scale. Information was collected from 134 parents, pretty much 94 mothers and 70 fathers, both during lockdown and before the pandemic. They collected this before the pandemic started, not even knowing it was coming, but they had a before and during. The levels of anxiety and depression were higher for mothers and fathers, which is consistent with previous research on mother-father differences. What was strange about the findings of before and after was that anxiety levels were actually higher before the pandemic than during the pandemic. Maybe that's because the ones that could complete this online survey were probably more together. Or that baseline HADS was collected right when the child was diagnosed, which is an enormously stressful time of making appointments, plans, and getting into services. So what I'm saying is baseline HADS was pretty high to begin with. It really didn't get that much higher. Finally, it may be that parents of children with ASG just have better coping skills. Again, just like in the SPARK study, the children's challenging behaviors were associated with maternal anxiety and depression levels. Another factor influencing anxiety and depression was lack of knowledge about COVID. We all experienced this in the beginning, and it's really no surprise. At the very beginning, there was very little consistent information about how COVID was transmitted and how deadly it was in those first few months. Two additional studies I want to mention that were published again after that scoping review was one done in Italy and one done in Slovakia. In Italy, researchers looked at the parental stress index short form in parents of kids with neurodevelopmental disorders, including autism, ADHD, and genetic syndromes like Rett syndrome, which is also associated with neurodevelopmental issues, and Soto syndrome. Also, there was a group of parents whose kids were typically developing. Data was collected after the Italian lockdown, and a total of 220 families were involved across the five groups. About half the ASD, or Neurodevelopmental Disorder and Rett Syndrome group, had an intellectual disability, while none of the typically developing group did. When all the families of the kids with intellectual disability were merged together, regardless of group, it was shown that the presence of intellectual disability significantly impacted caregiver stress higher than parents of children without intellectual disability, regardless of diagnosis. Overall, when they looked across the different five groups, though, they found that parents of children affected by a neurodevelopmental disability reported higher levels of stress when compared to typical development. This means that within the sample, the presence of a disorder, either neurodevelopmental or genetic, was an influence in parental stress as a whole more than the presence or absence of intellectual disability. Finally, one more place in the world that's been studying the effects of the COVID lockdown on families with autism is Slovakia. Slovakia actually had two waves, which isn't that unusual. Places in the U.S. are having two waves. Think of Florida, for example. They were able to look at depression and anxiety and stress using a scale in parents with autism and compared it to those of typically developing kids. They used a standardized scale called the DAS, and it asks things like, I lost joy in just about everything, or I had a lot of nervous energy, and I got upset quickly. They administered a test of adaptive behavior, including social and challenging behaviors to the parents about their children. So, like in 
some of these other studies, they could link child behaviors to parent stress. Now, every country's experience with COVID was unique. And in Slovakia, the first wave was not nearly as distressful as the second wave. It wasn't as serious. In the first wave, caregivers didn't really feel like they were that challenged. However, in the second wave, both parents of typically developing and autistic children experienced higher levels of anxiety and stress and depression, more so in families with autism than typically developing families. There's a note actually in the paper that in Slovakia, the second wave, people were actually more affected with more infected, higher deaths and higher burdens on the healthcare system and the economy. There were also higher levels in autistic families around levels of stress due to lack of childcare. Overall stress levels doubled from wave one to wave two and were also double that of typically developing families. This may be because of changes from wave one and wave two. While I'm not an expert in the COVID-19 pandemic in Slovakia, the researchers suggested that they mobilized pretty quickly and thought they had it under control in about October when they reopened. Well, they didn't seem to have things completely under control. Things caught on fire and got even worse than in the first wave. So think again of Florida. But for the kids, maladaptive behaviors, which were problems with attention and self-regulation and aggression, improved for typically developing kids during the second wave compared to the first wave. But in kids with autism, they went up. During wave one, everything was shut down and people thought it was going to be just a couple of weeks. During wave two, there were services like telehealth and online schooling. I know, it seems strange. If services were improved during wave two, why were stress and depression levels worse and maladaptive behaviors higher? I just don't think it works as linearly as we all expect it to work. What's the point of all this? Well, not to ruin your day, but it seems like COVID is going to be around for a while and we may be in a constant state of panic and still have to go through rolling shutdowns depending on case numbers. Of course, if people get vaccinated, We would have been out of this already, but that doesn't seem to be happening either. So some families will have to constantly live in a state of vulnerability and isolation and social distancing. We need to be prepared. We can't be at the state that we were in March 2020. And frankly, I believe we can be better suited to handle the challenges. Believe it or not, if you look back on the way things were in March 2020 versus October 2021, doctors are more prepared. Schools can move to online teaching. Telehealth has changed the way people deliver care. These things are not perfect, but they have changed the way healthcare is delivered. And for some, telehealth may be a good option. But when we think about COVID stress, it's not all about the kids. It's also about parents and other caregivers, too. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. Just keep breathing and breathing.